0: Hey there, welcome to the show. So I hope everybody made it through the March break. Uh, For those of you that have kids in private school, just kind of finishing up and, uh, you know, yay, tomorrow's school day, send them packing. Anyways, a lot to talk about this hour. I've got a great show planned for you. That's right, because guess what? It's time for the Real Estate Talk Triangle, and I've got my two panelists back in studio with me. I've got Dave Butler. He is the broker owner of BM Select. He is also a snowboard uh, exceptional, I'll call him. And then uh, I've got Tim Sirianos. He is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate. He's also a former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, as well as a former director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. So they're going to be joining me in a minute. And uh, hey, just again, a heads up. You know what? The runway's getting shorter coming up on Thursday, April the 27th. I've got that simple seminar coming your way. Don't forget to sign up. It's going to be an incredible evening. You can join us here in studio, or you can join us via a webinar, but, uh, do have a lot of things. We're going to try to unpack on how you can deal with some of these financial stresses you're going through right now with these increased interest rates. And then on top of that, have a very very special limited release and no it's not where we've been doing it we've got a new location new property and it's going to be really exciting the only way though you can find out about it is joining us during the seminar webinar so looking forward to that don't forget to follow me on instagram the simple investor one so you know one of these days i'm going to get my producer Aiden to create a ding ding bell like we've got some kind of like match going on because we do have a triangle here and so uh let me bring it in
1: dave tim welcome back Always great to be here. Yeah, this is always fun. This is always fun. Yeah.
0: So Dave, I'm just going to dive right into it. You and I got a lot of traction from last week's show. You know, we also did some posts here, you know, um, huge thing about the U.S. Fed, you know, you know, we know they're full of BS. And again, you know, taking a look at the big picture this week, tell us how you think it unfolded. I mean, I think you nailed it dead on. And, you know, if people want to go back to our clip from last week, they can take a look at it, but I think you pretty much called it.
2: Yeah, well, with U.S. Fed, I mean, you know, we remember that Before all the Silicon Valley Bank and everything else, it was, you know, dead set. It was gonna be a half a point increase, all that fun stuff. Um, Silicon Valley Bank, banking crisis kind of comes in play. Then the markets had started pricing in a quarter percent uh, increase and uh, there was a small outside chance that there would have been no increase. I think, you know, we talked about it on the show last week. It was, um, if there had been no increase, I feel like that, that would have absolutely just been such confirmation for the bond yields to start moving in the direction that will force The banks here to actually lower rates but interestingly enough the quarter percent increase actually did have like normally it had an impact and what i mean by that is normally if if what happened what's supposed to happen happens you won't see a lot of activity in the bond yield market right again bond yields are, are tied more to the fixed rates in canada well yesterday the expected move happened and we actually saw a very negative reaction to it and what for obviously those looking for lower rates that's a positive reaction because we saw the bond yields drop quite a bit we saw about a six percent drop um and it was seemed like it was unexpected because it was really hanging around the minus one percent for about the day as soon as that 2 p.m hit i literally took i I was watching my trading view app and i just started seeing down 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 nice red number and that's we want that i mean for lower interest rates we want that so again very interesting The reaction to the news generally is what you want to see, and we saw that. We saw the bond yield start to make a move downwards, and even as of uh, the day after, we already saw that they didn't actually rally too much into that weakness. So we got some interesting stuff coming up in the next little while for sure.
0: Yeah, and to touch on that, so the U.S. Fed also announced the chances are they're either coming to the end of increases or perhaps looking at putting it into neutral, sort of what the Bank of Canada did. Now, again, a reaction to what they've done, um, you know, everybody that's been taking a look at it from a financial perspective, they're saying that means Bank of Canada is going to stay neutral for the next meeting. Uh, do, would you agree?
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the signal. I mean, the price action kind of says, hey, U.S. Fed came out with their regular, you know, what they said they were going to do, but the reality is the language they used was quite interesting in that it really looks like Canada may have hit the pause button at the right time i mean i think we all can agree maybe they should have hit it a little earlier probably should have started the raises a little earlier but i, I think that that we've we belabored that point to death but yeah i mean it, it's very interesting to see the reaction yesterday um the news the press release jerome powell up there what he talked about um didn't really seem confident that there would be a lot of raises coming up and if anything to your point i think there's a pause likely on the horizon there and i think that's that bodes well for us here in canada
0: yeah, we're definitely not flogging a dead horse here, Dave. I mean, we can turn around and beat up the bank <laughs> of Canada all we want. I mean, completely full of it. So anyways, not us worry. So so Tim, you know, um taking a look at the real estate world, you know, obviously you know uh, there are I know you follow you know obviously the the trend-setting situations you watch the Fed you watch Bank of Canada you know as a as a prudent broker mm-hmm. Um, not all Realtors really have a good grasp of it you know I hope most of them do but there are some that would question this so again let's let's just kind of dive into it so when when you get a bit of a pause or almost a pause out of the Fed we get a pause out of the uh, the Bank of Canada you know as Dave had alluded to you know we look at the bond rates So maybe you can help our uh, listeners understand that where we get the fixed rate mortgages and where we get the um,
1: variables. Well, it's really interesting because on my way into the studio, I was actually thinking to myself, you know, what a great opportunity to actually talk about the headlines and talk about the pickback of Canada, talk about all these media reports coming back, you know, coming out of so many different directions and angles and how much confusion everybody is actually, you know, having right now at this point in time. right? Is there a pause isn't there a pause you know what did the bank um you know the Silicon valley bank you know impact on on you know the real estate market even in toronto not just canada but in toronto specifically right so i mean it's a great tie-in to what dave and and you are sharing with me right now Uh, we used to be able to predict as a real estate market maybe two three months out but now it seems like it's a week by week basis on what's actually happening right now you know you have a 40 percent drop in 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 sales but you've had a year over year Let's make that very clear. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, people are asking me that question. And I'm saying, well, there's a five percent increase in sales, you know, from last month to this month. And then they're saying, well, there's a 27% drop in values. And I'm saying, well, there's a 1% increase in values from last month as well. So we need to be very careful when we're looking at, you know, I don't want to call it day trading, but you know, looking at the media reports and looking at the numbers, what we're seeing right now is that people are actually seeing the marketplace as not wanting to miss the opportunity. You know, they're saying, okay, there's been a pause in Canada. Maybe we would have seen an increase of another quarter point. Now we're not going to see it because the feds are actually saying that they're in that, you know, pause environment right now too. We're seeing the CPI change on a monthly basis. There's no question we're going to see it change even more so next month. So this pause is very smart. And what we're seeing is a breath of fresh spring air. (laughs) <laughs> coming into the marketplace right now where you're seeing a lot of people. And again, um, not every neighborhood is the same. Not every area of GTA is the same, but what I can report to the three of you and everybody listening is we are seeing more and more people not wanting to lose their opportunity. They're seeing that, okay, this is it, um, time to, you know, really educate myself and hop into the market. And we're seeing a lot more traffic out there.
0: Yeah. you know. Dave, Tim made a lot of good points and one of them obviously is, you know, treating real estate like it's a day, it's day trading, right? And, and, you know, you and I talked to Bryn about this before and we had Lisa Patel on the show and, and, you know, same thing. Talking about the fact that, you know, people have started, you know, for a little while there, they were, you know, trading real estate and, you know, now that we see numbers fluctuating all the time, but truth be told, you know, Right now, if people can turn around and look more long-term, right, you know, we we all know here at this table that the fact is that interest rates are going to come down. They cannot stay where they are. You know, interest is going, you know, the the inflationary numbers are going to come down. We know that. And, you know, this month, you know, definitely shows that they're on the downward trend. You know, the Bank of Canada said, we need to get inflation under control. You have. So forget about going up, you know, maybe we'll see some downturn. But the whole day trading aspect of real estate, I mean, you know, you've seen it. And obviously people are coming to you saying, hey, what can we do, Dave?
2: Yeah, the well, I, I always call, I call it fast money, right? I mean, you know, that that's the you know, the guys that when the opportunity exists, they're going to enter the market now. They're not long term. They are. Hey, there's an opportunity here for me to buy this, do a little cosmetic work to it and flip it and make my buck. And we all know, everyone knows someone in their family, maybe you're a friend that's that guy or that girl, whatever. Um, But this market is not conducive to them operating well. And so when we see the exiting of the fast money, that's always the first money that's going to leave. Another aspect of fast money is going to be people that are buying those new constructions really just to assign it down the road. Again, that's not to me and all of us a long-term or even a medium-term investment strategy with real estate. That is looking at a fast and a opportunity that's presented itself at that time. That opportunity is not there right now. The The cost to do, you know, to buy a place and then cosmetically fix it up and then sell it, you know, it's risky. Are you going to even make your money back that you put in? So we've seen the exit of those people, which is great. And to Tim's point, we're seeing more of the, you know, I, the long term investor has been coming back now. And I don't want to say coming back because they've been there for a while, but they've been sitting on the sidelines very patiently. And I think the bulk of them now are starting to, you know, as you said, Tim, just kind of get out. And, you know, we're seeing a lot more, you know, we're seeing even more purchase agreements. I don't want to say we're seeing a lot, but I mean, when you look percentage wise, and again, I don't think a couple of weeks makes a trend, but I think we're starting to see.
1: So, it's slowly the tide turning a little bit. So, Tim, you'd say window shopping, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, window shopping. It's it's interesting because you know our our industries are so kind of married to each other, and there's like a chain link fence, right? So, you're looking at you know people uh, approaching a realtor, and then we send them to the mortgage broker, and and they come back to us, and we go out, and then these the purchase agreements, and then the lawyers, they see it two and three months after that, right? So, if you talk to a lawyer right now, they're saying I- I'm not seeing anything right now. Um, but you're talking to Dave and and his industry and you're seeing it and then you're looking at ourselves, there is a lot of people and I, you know, I want to kind of step away from the word investor right now, or people who are coming in. I want to say that the end user, the people who are looking at moving up, moving down, moving sideways for whatever the reason may be, they're actually the ones that we're seeing the most. In the investor market, uh, people who bought the pre-construction, you know, uh, properties, you know, four or five years ago and are coming due. Yes, there are some people who are in a place that, you know, they shouldn't be right now, but there is so much demand in that market that they're being gobbled up and we're not seeing you know, a drop or a risk that we should in any way be concerned about.
0: Yeah. Great point. By the way, uh, folks, we've got a lot to talk about today, uh, a lot of hot topics. And um, so we're going to come right back with Tim Serianos and Dave Butler. And don't forget, if you haven't signed up for the Simple Seminar coming up on Thursday, April the 27th, do it. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com. And when we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So in the studio for the Real Estate Talk Triangle, I've got Tim Sariano as broker-owner of Remax Ultimate, former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, and former director at the CREA. So CREA is the Canadian Real Estate Association. And of course, I've got Dave Butler on the other side, and Dave is the broker owner of BM Select. Uh, Just before the break, we were kind of hammering away at the US Fed. And if you catch any of my posts, you know what? They're full of it. Um, You know, they've really done a number on people, uh, you know, with the increases and everything else. And, you know, there's a bit of that punishment feel. And I think the Bank of Canada was kind of following suit, you know, as a little brother that always follows around, big brother. And you know, we're at this point now where we're starting to see all the cracks coming up through the armor. You know, we know that inflation's on the way down. You know, yes, their measures. Did it work? Yeah, they're gonna pat themselves on the back. That's the problem with this. Uh, you know, Dave, I'm gonna go to you on this. You know, I I, I hate it because they're not right they they're making people suffer they're they're making industries suffer they're making businesses you know you know take on more debt than they need to you know people were turning around they kind of fooled us saying hey we're not going to increase interest rates but now in the end you know what's going to happen you're going to get the bank of canada tip macklin's going to sit there and say look we were able to control inflation look we did it in you know 12 months hey screw you that we affected but look at us we did our job
2: Yeah, um, you know, it'd be. I I know if I was Tiff, it'd be tough to pat myself on the back, knowing that, you know, I said that inflation was transitory and that um, I told Canadians and everyone else to. You know, go out and make big purchases and everything else to spend lots of money because interest rates are gonna stay very, very low for a very, very long time. So yeah, I I think that'd be tough to pat myself on the back. But um no doubt they will, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the inflation stats go, I mean, I i, I we, we've talked we even had a nice chat before the show, but um, you know, I, I, I truly believe they're gonna hit their two percent target well before they had even, you know, thought so. I think, you know, they had said they wanna have it down to about three, three and a half percent by the end of this year, and then they think they'll get it to two percent by next year. Um, you know, I have a feeling we end up obviously next print, you know, being, being the March print. So that'll be released in April. I have a feeling we end up with a four in front of it. I mean, we're, you know, we went from 5.9 to 5.2. I think, uh, it's very conceivable to end up from 5.2 to something with a four in it. And I actually think if you really do a, a bit of a deep dive within the numbers, I think there's a good chance we end up even in the low to mid force, um, which would be, you know, when you really look at it, May, June, July, and August should actually be the months where we see a really big percentage decrease because that's comparing to the peak of last year. Right. Um, so, you know, reality, Is setting in. I think that you know maybe that two percent target is hit uh, a little more premature. Which you know the reality is I think that goes back to what we said. You guys raised rates too quick, too fast. This was aggressive. It seemed irresponsible, um, and that you will have to at some point pivot. And then all the bears would come out and say you guys are crazy. Canadian real estate needs a hit. You know blah 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 blah. No, I mean we just look at data. I'm just a data guy, and the reality is is you put that type of pressure on interest rates um, into that type of inflation where it, it's also a lagging indicator. You're, you're going to have results like you're seeing now. So,
0: yeah. So Dave, I'm going to have our producers just so you know, they're going to, as mark, this part of the show guys, cause you know what, we're going to, we're going to call Dave out in a couple months and you know what? Chances are, he's been right. Cause he's been <laughs> right a lot, a, a lot a, a lot along the way here. Um, Tim, you know, it, it's, it's interesting when we talk about, you know, real estate in itself, you'd mentioned earlier that, you know, we're starting to see some, some ripples in the market. We're starting to see an uptick, obviously. You know, there's this pent up demand, but here's, here's the thing, you know, we're looking at some numbers, you know, we're, we're that the number actually came in that we've got a million new people. Like if it's, if it's workers and new immigrants, we've got a million new people this year. I mean, that's a big number. You know, people got to understand supply and demand, like the, you know, all these people that are just, they're sitting there with bated breath. Like the government thought that if we increase interest rates, they're going to push that price down on
1: that real estate. And yet there's no inventory at it. So. Here's a headline that you can look up very easily and quickly. Nineteen thousand, you know, approvals for purpose-built rental units, and only seventeen hundred have been built so far. I know that was that so. Aesthetic. I mean, there, there, you go right there. I think the number one question is why. You yeah. know, why? And and part of it is interest rates. You know, part of it is supply. You know, part of it is being able to find labor.
0: Hang on, pick me in the corner here. Yeah, I'll, no, but you, you, okay? But who who was going to build the nineteen thousand?
1: See, there's the thing,
0: and, like, and as you, I mentioned, right? Yeah, like how, how
1: are you going to do that? Like, well, if
0: you're asking government to build, I mean, there's no way they're going to build. They just, they just can't. I mean, you know, so, so you need to bring in the private sector. In the private sector, they're not you know, giving them enough incentive to do
1: it. And You know, when when you're hearing reports that you know, if an election happened and you reintroduce rent control and you reintroduce, you know, to the new units and you start looking at, you know, kind of messing things up, right? Like, why would the investor actually come into the market and build purpose built rentals? if there's no return on the investment, if, there, if it's just too cost prohibitive to actually build them, we need the private sector to come to the real estate market, right? Supply is the number one, you know, is one of the you know biggest drivers to what we're seeing right now. And you know, values, uh, it, you know, that dropped in the last year have no relationship whatsoever to unemployment, you know, have no relationship to past recessionary periods and times, you know, the reason why values have gone down in the past year is only one reason, one reason alone. Interest rates went up eight, nine times, right? So, uh, for the people who are looking, or as we said earlier, window shopping and looking at the, um, uh, you know, in the market, they're realizing that there isn't much to look at, and and that is a very, very big problem, and that's why right now, and and I said it, to, I said it last time we were here in the studio we are seeing off, like six offers on a property nine offers on a property we've seen as many as 29 offers on a property right yeah. and these are the types of houses that are completely move in because the interest rates are so high that they can't get secondary financing to actually you know purchase the home and then actually renovate the home so you know again there's a lot of you know fresh faces to the marketplace right now and we're not talking about the investors I'm talking about people who legitimately want to enter the market what 26% increase Here's another stat for you. Let's throw let's throw stats all uh you know our here, right? Okay, well yeah. we could do
0: that, and so I'm gonna throw one at you. Yeah. So increase in rent, four hundred dollars per month from last year. Correct. Okay. So um, Dave, I'm gonna have Dave weigh in on the cost of, of borrowing though, because it's not gonna it's not going to overtake that four hundred dollar increase. In fact, I think on the average mortgage, I mean you're probably up a thousand dollars, right, Dave? If we're taking a look at some of these numbers. So even if somebody is an investor, and of course, we always talk about these greedy investors. Um, they're in worse cash flow, even though it's gone up by $400. But Tim, you know this is, this is one of the things, and you have a massive inventory shortage in investment real estate.
1: We have an, a massive inventory sh- shortage in the rental market, and we have a massive inventory shortage in the resale market, and we have a massive inventory shortage in the new construction market. And I'm not talking about pre-con condos because there are condos coming to market this year. Many of them are coming to market but and, you know as we've discussed maybe in the past you know the type of quality of pre-construction condo- condo that are being built you know being 400 and 500 square feet are not the type of product that we need in the marketplace to have you know people move right we need larger units so i mean i'm getting phone calls right now from stratford ontario you know where investors you know builders are looking at building you know, um, you know, small condos and the market there said, don't even bother. Yeah. Like like, don't even think about it. And they've gone from, you know, 600 square feet to as much as 1200 square feet right now to attract the end user. So doesn't work like one, one size does not, does not fit all. And that's just demonstrates that, you know, we have to be very, very smart in what we're approving and building.
0: Yeah. You know, Tim made a boatload of good points there. Big thing, Dave, about the condos and obviously, you know, you deal with a huge, massive investor base. Um, you know, a lot of people I think are recognizing the fact that we need to build bigger condos.
2: Yeah, there was that, you know, great point in that, you know, there was this rush of, you know, let's get the 500, 600 square foot because it became, you know, in the mania, it became a thing where, hey, we, it it sounds like as a builder, all we got to do is just put out some small amount of square footage and it's going to fly. Um, you know, the reality is we saw that it's leaving as much as, you know, it's nice to have those small one bedroom in the den type situations because there are certainly situations that need that we know that but there felt like a very a big lack of family purpose built family stuff right like you know three bedroom you've got your mom dad and then you've got you know the, the two kids in there it seemed like that because from a number standpoint it was quicker for them to build it and get that 500 600 square foot out the door and into the mania now you're seeing a different and a more measured approach if i'm a builder you know in this environment currently today i'm i I, it's not just throw it at the wall and let it stick like it was for a while there you got to really strategize and figure out where where and it's funny you bring up stratford because it's like yeah why would why would a builder be wanting to build massive like 500 square foot place in stratford i mean that's doesn't even seem like a town that necessarily would be aching to that type of thing i mean that seems more of a family type uh you know city so interesting that uh that, that you brought that up
0: yeah and and it's funny because we do have properties out in the Stratford area yeah. and that whole area and i can tell you the things that write out the best are two and three bedrooms and i mean nine nine hundred fourteen hundred square feet they are absolutely in the marketplace yes. yeah so folks uh hopefully you're enjoying the show so far um i am going to bring tim and dave back after the break And uh, looking forward to, you know, more of a fun discussion. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, the simple investor one, and you can catch some of our show because we put some of the clips up. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this and welcome back. So we've got the real estate talk triangle this week and my panel guests as they are every single month joining me. We've got Tim Sirianos, broker owner of Remax Ultimate, and he is also the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, as well as a former director at CREA. And Dave Butler here from BM Select. Uh, He is the broker owner there. And Tim, just a quick shout out. You know, uh, Remax Ultimate, right in the hub, right in the thick of things. Fabulous group of agents. You've been a great leader. You know, I catch a lot of uh, a lot of posts for the company. You got some top top producers there. You know, definitely kudos out to you guys because you are repping the industry fabulously. But more importantly, you also only deal with professional agents. And you know, one of the things. That you know, you and I can talk about obviously is professionalism in the industry. You know, recent announcement, April first. You know, they're getting rid of the NDA, and you know, you and I talked about this before. You know, give me a break. Like, like it, it really hasn't been a thing, and now all of a sudden they're making this big, big statement that uh, the NDAs are no longer.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. the The NDA for everybody listening is a non disclosure agreement. If there's a settlement between, say, a realtor and a consumer. On a complaint or some something went wrong with the transaction that okay we agree to settle but you're going to sign this NDA and not complain to Rico or publish it, and you know what's really remarkable is that that's never been something that was allowed to really do, but it just wasn't law. So you know they've announced they went to the court, and they went legislature, they announced that effective April first, not April Fools for any other reason, <laughs> 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 um, that you can no longer do that, but. You know, it's remarkable that you know agents or brokerages or anybody in the industry actually thought that that was a good way of doing business. You know, to actually sit, tell somebody, sign an NDA, and we'll settle. I mean, you know, if you're guilty, you're guilty. Let it be published. It is what it is. You learn from it. You move on, right? Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm. To me, it's always been there. I never even thought of. You know, luckily I've never had to be in a situation. I'm going to say that, you know, openly, yeah. Um. you know, I, you know, thank you for the nice words. We do everything possible to make sure that reputation, we leave with reputation, right? Of course. And um, yeah, but it's a, it's a good thing, you know, make it public, you know, let people see what you should not be doing.
0: Yeah. No, you know, and this is, this is one of the things that, you know, I think, and, and you know, Dave and I had talked about this the other week, but you know, big, big, you know, Um. Mm-hmm person to, about professionalism in the industry it's the only way an industry can survive and when you get some bad players they make a bad name for people you know you can't paint the brush with everything but in a, in a case like this like i said i think i think you know some of the governing bodies they just want to sit there and say hey we're doing something about it and it's like okay look the, okay we'll we'll pretend that we'll give you a little pat on the back and say okay thanks so much for for taking care of that issue but i think it's also You know, it's already in place and and I don't want people to think all of a sudden, oh, this is new. Uh, No, it's not. Um, But, you know, as Tim said, and again, you know, can't have a guy with more experience sitting at this table than Tim when it comes down to real estate. Dave, I do want to switch gears for a second. Um, You know, a lot of a lot of words being made around the idea of some of the private lenders, you know, a little bit of stress out there in the marketplace. I'm taking a look at they say private mortgages have risen 72% in Ontario uh seems like a pretty big number are is this people because they can't facilitate you know the mortgages from the the top a lenders or where where was the risk, the rise from
2: yeah i mean i it, it, obviously it depends on the the where the data points the were starting and ending but uh, certainly i would say in the last you know i i, I would say since last summer mm-hmm. we saw an uptick in private mortgage usage right um and i think that just comes down to you know the stress test everything else I mean it just got very hard and still is quite hard to qualify with the a lenders it's even difficult to qualify with B lenders these days um B lenders have even had to tighten up the up the ship a little bit we're getting asked for a lot more documentation they're really underwriting the files a lot differently um you know they're they're underwriting in what you know I would expect in you know a quote-unquote bear market as a lender you would want to do And that obviously leads to more people who can't now get approved at the A and the B lender having to look elsewhere. Um, And that's gonna be private lending. You know, where I get scared um, when that type of thing happens is that This mania that we went through, the uptick, um, it showed one of the things to me was that there's a lot of people that were looking to place this newfound equity in other places. They'd heard about about private lending. I'm going to get into private lending. And we were seeing some really nasty deals. And what I mean by a nasty deal in the private mortgage world is a deal where the lender is exposed, meaning the lender has lent money on a property where if for some reason something was to happen, the borrower couldn't pay the lender would actually have a tough time getting their money back. And we saw this kind of reckless abandon, you know, uh, 90% loan to value second mortgages. Like I come from mortgages. It's in my blood. You know, when I'm learning this in my early 20s, you, you, there are certain rules. And that is you never entertain a second mortgage past 85%. There's just certain rules you have to employ. And to see those rules being thrown aside and and seeing the reckless abandon, it was scary to me. Um, so. There's that aspect of it. And so I have a little bit of a situation where you're going to see possibly some private lenders who shouldn't have been lending in situations likely in bad spots right now, depending on how the market gets, whether the borrowers can pay or not, that could lead to some things. And then on the other side, you know, do we really want borrowers borrowing like a high percentage? Like you said, 72%. Why do we want? We don't really want to see an uptick. I mean, private mortgages are really there. They should be band-aids. They should be short-term band-aids. You shouldn't want a band-aid on for a long, long time. Um, it's just something we don't want to see, but the uptick is definitely, it makes sense to me, but obviously the hope is that when we get a bit more affordable interest rates, maybe that elusive 399 that we see less. And it would be interesting maybe coming back in the summer and seeing st- statistics on whether that number has actually dropped.
0: Yeah. And you know, you touched on this, which is great. Um, so right now they're saying about 20% of Canadians are taking a look at mortgages where they're actually not really paying any equity off because interest rates have gone up. You know, they right now, their payment is actually putting them in a little bit of a negative position. So they kind of have to top it up just to make sure that they're staying in with the interest rate. But, you know, Dave, that's indicative of the timing, of course, because, you know, if, if you and I talked about somebody that took a mortgage right now in November 21 man, and they went five year fix, they are cruising for the next four years, like they're in great shape, right? And this is this is one of the things that I think people have to realize that there are some people that are gonna suffer a little bit. Okay, and but to start painting the brush, because here's, the, here's the problem is that all of a sudden, again, looking at our headlines, because we get them all the time. I know, I know our producers give you guys the headlines and say, Hey, here's some talking points. We just we go off on our own tangent. Sorry, Ian. But you know, big picture stuff, when we take a look at those numbers, it's like, well, what did you expect? You know, like this, 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 this is a little bit of reality coming forth. So, you know, using a little bit of that extra uh, equity, as you and I've talked about it, Dave, uh, you know, that leverage to last kind of thing. You know, maybe utilize a little bit of your equity to help continue on, on that platform.
2: Well, it's it, to your point with, with, with regards to the leverages, we actually had situations where we had, you know, a couple of people lose their jobs. So we would get calls sometimes, you know, wife or husband has lost the job. They're not in a panic today. But the problem is if they've lost their job, we won't be able to refinance them. If they're looking for any extra little cushion, it's hard to get them approved because they're not approvable. Well, on the flip side, that's how some of these private mortgages were now increasing because private mortgages, a lot of people don't realize a lot of them are interest only payments, right? You can actually set it up where it's just an interest portion. You're not paying off the principal, which obviously helps affordability. So we actually had people taking out small mortgages because they felt it was a cushion to them to just have that money in the bank while they were still looking for the job, rates are going up because they could see the aggressiveness and just giving them that cushion. And I didn't think it was a bad thing. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to always put yourself in a situation where you're not having to sell
1: your home when you don't want to sell it. Yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong with it. So yeah. to provide some perspective here, right? Because uh-huh. I uh, you know, I'm I'm in a different trench than everybody else. Sure. And I see things uh, from a different lens sometimes. So, you know, last March we entered a tunnel, right? And when you went to that tunnel, it gets darker and darker before you see light again. So I see these private mortgages as well. I've seen some of them interest only, you know, great, you know, thank you for touching on that interest only, you know, part of it. But now uh, I'm finding that people who've held on and have decided not to participate in this market, um, the big question is how much longer do I have to wait? Well, now it's okay. It's no longer the darkest part of the tunnel. Now we're saying, okay, it could be, we don't even say months we can say it could be three more payments, it could be seven more payments, it could be five more payments because you want to provide the right perspective. Yep. So people don't sell their house at the wrong time, right? And don't make a decision based on a knee jerk reaction, right? So now we're months, how many months of payments are you going to be in this? So we can eliminate that interest only, you know, mortgage or, you know, look at the marketplace of where it's going to be. Cause now we are talking about August, September, October based on, you know, and I don't think that not uh, to go away from your prediction. I I don't know if two percent is a target anymore for inflation. I don't. I don't think that they'll wait. You know, for two percent. I think that don't be surprised if we're in the high threes before they they totally back off. I hope you know. So so I mean, but that's just you know what I think.
0: Yeah. No. Well, Well, you know, it's a good point. So. You know, let's see if Tim or Dave are going to be right about this. Of course, we've got them on tape, so we'll be able to find out. Uh, folks, we're going to go to a quick break, but when we come back, I'm going to have more with Dave Butler and Tim Siriano. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So we're in the home stretch here at Simply Real Estate, and it is that real estate top triangle that we've been doing all hour. Uh, Tim Siriano is joining me. He is the broker owner Remax Ultimate former president of the toronto real estate board as well as a former director at crea the canadian real estate association and i've got dave butler and he is the broker owner of Bhem select and uh when he's done there he's going to end up being a snowboard instructor out west uh, <laughs> so i'm going to go visit him there for sure and get some lessons but anyways guys so um interesting stuff in the news you know all week obviously we've been touching on a few of the topics uh, Tim, I'm going to throw one at you. Josh Matlow announces a run for the Toronto mayor. Of course, there's a lot of people throwing their, their, uh, you know, their hats in the ring, but. Um... Really, you don't? Do you think? Do you think he's shooting himself in the foot by saying planning on increasing property taxes right out of the gate as a platform?
1: Well, I am they they stay totally neutral right now and say good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's uh, no, <laughs> uh, I I really did not expect to have any person come out and run for mayor and talk about a you know a tax increase. Yep. Uh, we are talking. You know, let's remind Torontonians that you know we had a double realty tax increase. You know, uh, just recently, you know, it increased by, I think four point something, then added another, you know, point something. So, I mean, I just do not think that's the way to go. The no fly zone. Yeah. It's a no fly zone at all. Right. But look, look there's going to be some pretty interesting candidates, you know, in the, in the race, this is going to be, you know, uh, an interesting race and great, hopefully there's a lot of great debate, you know, during this, uh, campaign. And, uh, hopefully Torontonians picked the the best person for the job. Yeah. So I am going to
0: throw a shout out to, uh, you know, some of the candidates out there and I'm going to give you maybe a little tidbit here and maybe some advice, but you know, previous mayors in the past have talked about Toronto community housing and they were given huge budgets and yet no construction was basically done. I mean, like there's, there's 20,000 units right now that could really use some renovations and renovations a lot easier than building. And yet, you know, the, the, the sheer volume and numbers, I think maybe a hundred units got done in one year. And i kind of sit there stymied because you know um you know we know contractors that can knock that out in no time why is it that you've got a massive you know hundreds of millions of dollars in budget and yet toronto community housing something that's very very important by the way uh to the city and is not actually you know dead set in the middle of the bullseye here so again throwing that out to the candidates because you know what we need they need some help there they definitely need and, and it's not just like don't throw money throw results okay you know, it's just like when the, when the provincial government sits there and says, "Yeah, Hey, we're going to build 1.5 million. You know, as, as my panel and I, you know, when we got up off the ground, laughing our butts off on that one, you know, like, give me a break. Okay. You can't build 10,000 homes a year. How are you going to build 150,000? So let's call a spade a spade. How about a candidate gives us some real numbers? Dave, speaking of real numbers, you know, I know you're a cottager, I'm a cottager. Uh, Tim, you know, you like the Mediterranean, so that's not a cottage, but, so let's throw this out. So, I think it is, but anyway. <laughs> look, the cottage is like three hours in traffic. Okay. so But the trick here is Dave that, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, a big decrease in cottage prices and cause there was a huge run up during COVID of course, yeah. everybody decided to escape, you know, cottage rentals went through the roof. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I think a lot of people that went into the cottage market you know, with their families for the first time have now recognized the value of it. You know, uh, I mean, I'm a lifetime of cottager. So are you, you know, we take a look at the big picture and say to ourselves, you know, why wouldn't you want your kids to put down the device, go out, go for a swim, sailing, canoeing, you know, whatever it is, whatever you do at the cottage, just get out in nature. Um, I, I don't agree with the predictions.
2: Yeah, and I mean it's it's also coming off the heels of, you know, again, mania. We were locked down. We were told, you know, you can't fly places for a period of time. So, people were rediscovering, you know, their country, you know, their their province if you will. So, you know, the the uptick in cottage was probably a little unnatural, but certainly falling in place with, you know, what was happening at the market at the time. Um and I also I'm I'm you know, I'm very curious as to, you know, real estate stats for cottages in Ontario in the winter. Uh, because the reality, <laughs> uh, it's very, first of all, no one wants to drive and look at cottages. I mean, no one's like, hey, I want to call my realtor, drive three hours in the middle of winter and go and look at a bunch of cottages, half of which are actually closed down and they yeah. don't have running water uh, yet because they're just completely shut. So it's, you really got to take, you know, uh, cottage sale stats, and, and we all know this, with a grain of salt in, in the winter, um, it's the summer, I'll be interested to see what the numbers are. But again, I, I'm expecting I think it's, you know, I think it's just great headline stuff. I think it's great for the people that are writing the headlines because it it, it looks good. But the reality is, if you do a bit of a deep dive in it, it makes sense that we're not going to see the same craziness. But. To your point, look, cottages Ontario are going nowhere. Okay. It, it, we're not there's no new lakes being manufactured. So the when you've got waterfront property, you are sitting on something that as they continue to increase the population here in Ontario, there's gonna be more people that are gonna demand and want to go and experience that. So if you're holding on to that property, you probably don't want to sell it. And that could obviously be another factor of why they're seeing sales numbers down because a lot of people are not going to want to sell their cottage. I can sit here and say, even if I wanted to get a different cottage, I would not sell my existing cottage. It is too lucrative to have as a short-term rental, medium-term rental, or even a long-term rental because supply demand, as we talked about earlier, just does not bode well for getting rid of that.
0: Yeah, and especially if you're trying to build in cottage country, you know I know a lot of people. Tim, you've been going through you know some some builds for different aspects of your business, but yes. you know if anybody's ever attempted to build it in cottage country, just add twice the time and twice the price. I'm just going to make it really that simple.
1: Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I can't uh, imagine, you know, getting supplies, you know, through some of these roads and, you know, I have a a great colleague who's in uh, Honey Harbor in Georgian Bay and, you know, he uses a barge to get, you know, all the supplies across those little lakes, you know, onto little islands and there's dynamite used. I mean, we're talking on a show right now where people are thinking that you pour concrete you put some drywall up and you're done but you know in cottage country we're talking about using dynamite to blow through rocks you're you're looking at you know getting supplies and and uh machinery on these barges and floating across a lake and it's funny
0: i saw last summer a helicopter go over top with a generator to drop onto the islands <laughs> yes <laughs> it's one of those scenarios
1: yes absolutely
0: so uh dave some final thoughts so you know let's 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 close it out on a on a, a positive note let's trash some more of the fed and <laughs> <again>. i <laughs> <laughs> um interest rates you know what everybody's here we got a spring market right tim tim's been very clear that you know we we're, we see a heartbeat we definitely see a heartbeat we're starting to see the odd multiple offer basically from the neighborhoods that people really want to be in do you see the potential of some of these hello all the top five lenders please make sure you discount your rates because you should you're not getting any business <laughs>
2: that's a good that's a good segue um yeah look we you know the 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 direction of the bond yields is in the right mood is in the right space for us to see some lower fixed rates for sure when that happens that'll be the interesting question um they're obviously you're going to have some banks kind of puckering up a bit because of liquidity issues out in the states so you could see a little bit of a liquidity premium much like a, li- a risk premium being added in temporarily but i I think you know we, we want to look at the main points here we need inflation to come down that's going to lead the bank of canada to stop raising rates which you seemed to have done it's also going to lead for the bond yields to come down that's important we also need we, we're going to need to have the united states not necessarily go through a crazy banking crisis because that's only going to put undue pressure on our system as well um, and obviously we need the time to work out right we are on that precipice of the spring summer market it would be nice to have a bit more affordability to help some of the new buyers that are going to be entering the fray um but i think we i I really do believe we got a chance i mean if we can get that nice march print in april for inflation have that down see how the bond yields react over the next little while there is still the hope that at some point in the maybe summer may june we could see that elusive
1: 399. and i just want to add that you know history may not repeat itself but it definitely rhymes i've i've said that saying many times on the show and if you look at 08, when the U S went through a tremendous banking, you know, and financial crisis, you know, what stood tall was a banking system, in Canada, and the way that we, that we functioned that, you know, just drove right through it, uh, there, yeah, there were some scars, but nothing compared to what they went through. Right. So again, as the, this news that Dave has shared with us, you know, that I hundred percent agree with, you know, you're going to co- continue to see a longer spring market. We may not see you know, as the numbers get better, we may not see a summer lull. You know, we may, we may actually start to see a more of like, you know, a train kind of picking up some steam and and moving. And I, when I say a train picking up sp- steam, I don't mean like out of control. I just mean like, it's just going to start, you know, getting back to normal if I can use that word kind of loosely and then, uh, you know, a better fall going forward.
2: Yeah.
0: All great points. And normal. Gee, Tim, I'm not sure we're going to figure out what I don't know what normal is (laughs) is anymore.
1: Yes. It's like saying affordable.
0: There we go. (laughs) Wow. And on that note, folks, uh, so that's a wrap this week for the Real Estate Talk Triangle. Thank you to Tim Sirianos and Dave Butler for being in the studio each month with me. Really a lot of fun today. And um, I do want to thank my producers, they keep it simple for me uh, Aiden and Omar in the booth. Um, thanks for doing what you guys do. I want to thank Ian Grant, you know, at, uh, at the headquarters there, making sure that we do keep it simple. More importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in and making us the number one real estate talk show. And of course I will be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.